0: prepared for this. Everything's kind of changing around with the order of our service. So we're still figuring it out as well, just trying to make it work for the children's program that they're doing. And so if you guys can be flexible with us um, over the next few weeks, we'll kind of figure it out. But for the main part, we think worship's going to be at the beginning. And then we'll use the greeting time as a time for the kids to dismiss to the children's program. So, And we enjoy that greeting time anyway. So it'll be good. And then Then I'll try to corral you back together so we can uh, start the message time. God is good, is he? Amen. God is good. All right. Let's get started. Do I have PowerPoint? These guys had a lot to handle this morning, let me tell you, and so I'm thankful for the media guys. Okay. First of all, I can't thank everyone enough for the help that we got the last few days moving Uh, We were really blessed uh, with all the (laughs) helping hands. My back was worn out by the time we got here (laughs) from all the loading we had done, and so it was a huge blessing to have all the help unloading. And uh, Becky brought us food, and so we've had food to eat. And last night we ended up in the ER. That wasn't planned. Um, If you didn't know, Chloe tore her chin open. She fell and hit a, a wood edge and split her chin open. So she got five stitches last night, so... If I'm not completely with it this morning, give me a little grace, because, you know, the head's just attached, that's all. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much for um, everything you've done for us as a church family to welcome us here, to help us move here, and even giving me grace during this time that I've kind of been partially working here at the church and at home. Um, This has been a journey of faith for us, uh, but God has been so faithful each step of the way. We're so thankful to be here together as a family. It's been really encouraging um, to hear from many of you how God's been working in your lives through this series on faith. Uh, Just to kind of step back and talk about last week, we've seen Abraham's faith uh, when things were unclear and didn't make sense last week, when things appeared or were impossible and we were challenged to pray in our faith, to ask God for opportunities, and to trust that he is able to do the impossible. It's his specialty. That's what we talked about. Today we're going to take one more glimpse at the life of Abraham and learn one more lesson of faith from him. So let's go to the Lord. Father God, thank you again for the opportunity to worship you this morning. We ask that you would bless the kids program as that gets started and Um, that uh, they would learn more about you and their young hearts would be influenced um, for the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would draw us into your presence uh, and speak to us through your word, and your name would be glorified. Amen. In 1997, three teenage boys were sleeping in a cabin in the woods. In the middle of the night, the cabin caught on fire. One of the boys awoke to the blaze, but it was too late. He ran across ten acres to the main house and awoke the parents of one of the boys who were in the cabin. The father was a paramedic. He ran to the blades but was not able to save his son or the other boy. A month later, in this same small town, three teens are in a head-on collision. The driver is thrown from the vehicle, but his younger brother and friend are pinned in the vehicle and do not survive. In 2006, a nine-year-old girl and a family friend are playing together. The boy shows the girl a gun, and it accidentally fires, and she dies shortly afterwards. In 2012, a 12-year-old boy becomes very sick. His mom is pregnant with twins, cares for and homeschools the other six children. The father is very, a very busy engineer. Actually it would have been the other five children. I got my math wrong there. Eight altogether. The father is a very busy engineer. As they learn that their son has leukemia, their world is turned upside down. The stress and chaos, the huge decisions, the ups and downs all seems to drain the life out of them as they try to hang on to God and watch their son struggle to live. There are things we go through in life that just can't be explained. Some of us call them trials, difficulties, disasters, heartaches, the results of living in a broken or a fallen world. But the truth is, it hurts. And people need to believe that the way through. They need something to cling to, or they won't survive those times. Where's the answer? Would you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. and read along with me, verses 1 through 10. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, So they went both of them together, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. Then he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of God, of what God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. just want to set the context here real quick again. God has accomplished the impossible by giving Abraham a legitimate offspring. We talked about that last week through his barren wife, Sarah. God has reaffirmed his promise that Abraham will be the father of many nations, that his children will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the dust on the earth. God has established a covenant specifically with Isaac. Through Isaac's seed, all the people of the earth will be blessed. Now, everything's in jeopardy. And if I was Abraham, I would sit back and say, God, what are you doing? Do you even know what you're doing? Do you have things under control? Why is this happening? I want to believe that you are good, God, but I'm struggling with that right now. Aren't these the questions we ask when we go through trials? Let's start in verse 1 and 2. Abraham's trial. It begins with saying, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. Just to show the proof that this was a test, I wanted to share a couple things. A real test of faith has to defy logic. It's not logical. A real test... Is something you want to resist. It goes against your human will. It's a battle between your human will and, in this case, the spirit of obedience and trust in God. That is a real test. And as a parent, could any of us follow through with this test? It goes against our will, it goes against our logic, it is something we would want to resist with every part of our being. It was a test. The test. The difficulty of the test. Offer up Isaac on an altar before the Lord. Okay, culturally, this was actually an acceptable practice at this time to do child sacrifice in the land of Canaan. But as you read on, what does it say? That Isaac was dearly loved. What that meant was he, was he was adored with great fondness from his father. I have a special relationship with my son, Ben. He, he is desperately desiring my attention or my time to spend with him. And he, and he looks forward to that. And when I'm not around or don't give him that attention, I can tell that his personality changes. Okay. We have a special bond and a relationship together. I love and adore my son. And Isaac, sorry, Abraham loved Isaac. The other thing that we also learn in the passage is that Abraham loved Ishmael, but he had to send Ishmael away because of the situation with Hagar and Ishmael. And so this other son had already been sent away and now he just has Isaac, whom he dearly loves. The next part of the test is how can the promise be fulfilled if Isaac is killed? And these questions have to be going through Abraham's head. God, I'm confused. I I thought you promised to me You know, descendants as numerous as the stars. I thought you made this covenant for Isaac and through his descendants. And now you're asking me to offer him up as a sacrifice? I don't understand why this is happening. The other part of the test is this. Do we believe that everything belongs to the Lord? There's a verse in Psalm Psalm 24, verse 1, I'm going to read to you. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who... Everything belongs to the Lord. That was part of the test. Do we recognize everything belongs to the world or to the Lord? If Abraham sacrifices Isaac in his heart, it would demonstrate that he loves God more than the promise God had made. Right, that promise of that seed, of that land, of the descendants, and the long-awaited son that he had been waiting for. So this is just a description of the test. The next, thing we see in verses three through nine is Abraham's obedience in preparing the sacrifice. And read that. And Abraham rose up from before his dead. And, whoa, Genesis 23, that didn't work. 3 through 9. Okay, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. I want you to catch some important things in these next few verses. First of all, you see from Abraham, in the midst of this test that we can't even imagine, Immediate obedience to God. It says he rose up early in the morning. I don't know about you, but I probably wouldn't have been able to sleep that night. I'd have been tossing and turning. And what happens is when I can't sleep at night, I usually sleep in the morning, and then you want to sleep in to make up for it. But in this case, he rose up early in the morning, prepared everything. He gathered supplies, chopped wood, brought the rope and the knife, probably gathered food because this was more than a three-day journey is what we learned. He woke up early. He gathered the supplies. Okay? The next thing we see is that he hiked with his son and with all these supplies, and then I assume that the son didn't just stand there and watch his dad. They built this altar together. So you see Abraham's obedience in his immediate and he's preparing everything for the sacrifice, and then he's building the altar, son. Uh, the next part of that that we see is that Abraham binds his own son. And Isaac could have been anywhere up to about 25 years old. I don't know exactly how old he was. But what amazed me a lot about this passage is how the son has such a relationship with his father, trusts father enough that he allows his father to do this because if he's 20 years old he probably has enough muscle for his hundred and some year old father to get out of there if he wanted to or to wrestle free or to escape in this case he allows his father to bind him and lay him on the altar next part we see is Abraham's faith. This is the demonstration of faith. Not only obedience, but faith. And this is incredible. If you look at the passage first, um, in verse 7, Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Okay? So Abraham believed that God would provide a sacrifice. Now, for the son, he's still got to be looking around like, okay, God's going to provide the sacrifice, but I'm not seeing anything else with us. So what are you talking about here? This was a tender conversation between a father and a son. And the word lamb here actually means a young ram, which is important to see later on. There's a trust shown as they continue to walk on. The other thing you see is that Abraham says to his servants in verse 9, when they came to the place that God had told them, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood in order. Nope. Sorry. I'm all over the place today. Okay, Abraham, sorry, verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. He never says just I will come back. The implication here is that both Abraham and his son will go and both of them will come back. So not only is Abraham obeying, but he is believing that by some way he will still come back with Isaac. He knows God well enough to know that God does not want to take away his son or the promise or the covenant that God made, but that God is trustworthy. Even though he doesn't understand why this is happening, he knows God. And we see that actually explained in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, where it talks about Abraham. It says, He considered that God was able. Even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did not receive him back. Okay, so by ha- by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. Okay, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Um, up to this point in history, there was no recorded. Uh, event where someone had been raised from the dead or even of the possibility of resurrection. And yet here in Hebrews, it implies that Abraham believed that God could raise somebody from the dead, even though it never happened before. He believed it was possible that even if he sacrificed his son on that altar, God would raise him back and they would both come back down that mountain to their servants. Again, we see Abraham's faith in who God was and in the goodness of God in the midst of this trial. And the last part of that we see is the point of no return. Abraham raises the knife. He is taken to the edge of faith. And I think a lot of times when people go through trials, they are taken to the edge, to the breaking point. And God brings us to the breaking point, so we're broken before him and so he can mold us and shape us. But he's there. He's there right in the middle of the breaking point, and that's what we're going to see next. Okay? Abraham is taken right to the edge beyond anything he can handle, beyond any emotions he could control as he's raising this knife. But God is there. Can you show the video? We have the firewood, but where's the lamb? The Lord will provide a sacrifice, my son. Did Abraham take a lamb? No, mister. You must trust in God. (laughs) What? <laughs> Abraham has passed the ultimate test He will become the father of God's nation Now it's up to Isaac He will have a son called Jacob God will rename him Israel the promise of descendants as numerous as the stars is coming true. I can't watch that without crying. God provided the sacrifice just as Abraham believed. By faith he believed, he obeyed, and God provided the sacrifice. Here we see in the video there's a couple things that aren't accurate because we know this was a, it says a journey, three days, and then Abraham looked and saw the mountain in the distance. So I don't know, that might have been a fourth day to actually get to the mountain. And here um, <laughs> Sarah runs really fast. <laughs> but, but you can get a sense of the, the emotions and the feelings that were going on in the, the midst of this test, in the midst of this trial. Uh, the angel of the Lord appeared and spoke to Abraham. Verse 11, we'll start there. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. God spoke to Abraham. We know that this was God speaking. God was there in the midst of his trial at the point of breaking, God was there. And we need to remember that when we go through difficulties and we think that we can't handle it or take any more, that God is right there. Even if we can't see them. There. God would not have allowed Abraham to follow through with the sacrifice of his son. We read later in Leviticus where God condemns and despises child sacrifice. But this was part of the test of Abraham's faith. To be the father of God's people. And we also see that a ram. In the text that talks about it being a ram. Like we saw earlier when Abraham said God will pros- provide a lamb. When you look up the meaning of the word it means a young ram. And here we see that a ram appears caught. In the thicket. God provided a substitute sacrifice for Isaac. When we choose to follow God by faith, we will face trials of many kinds. Oftentimes we don't understand what God is doing or how He will ever bring good out of the situation we're in, but He does. If you know by heart, Romans 8. But I want to read to you the following. I thought I had it marked, but I don't. You can turn if you want. Romans 8.27 And he who searches knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes to the will of God, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose, 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Oh, I was supposed to read through 32. I thought that just didn't seem like it covered it all. That's where the tiredness is kicking in. I'm sorry. Let's try again. Okay, starting in verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become formed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined he also called, and those whom he also called... He also justified, and those whom He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? So within the context of God working all things together for our good, We see the picture, ultimately, of God's sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, for us to conform us to His image. And I want to continue the stories that I shared earlier. The boy who died in the car crash, his name was Kurt Jacobs. I had brought Kurt to Bowana five years before this event, and he had accepted Christ as his Savior. And his brother Carl, who was thrown out of the vehicle, looking on on this accident, and his brother's pinned the car. And his car, uh, his brother Kurt that's in the car, yells out, I love you, Carl. I forgive you, before he died. That's a testimony of God's work in his life, and helping Carl to be able to live with the consequences of what had occurred because he had made some bad choices, and that was the reason the accident had happened. Benjamin Skipper died along with his friend in a cabin fire. He was my friend and teammate in football. I could have been there that weekend, but I was at family camp, church family camp with my parents, when the cabin burned down. His parents were strong in their faith, They proclaimed God's goodness and showed the love of Jesus Christ during the difficult time of him losing his only son. Many of my classmates were brought to the Lord because of those events. And have looked to Tom and Cindy Skipper as mentors for the rest of their life. And he became a dear friend of mine and really part of the inspiration of me going into ministry. So we see God is working all these things together for good in the midst of difficulty. Johanna Grace, is her name, Grace, was close to my daughter's age. She attended the church where I was youth pastor. And both the families of the shooting attended our church. Her parents never pressed charges. They never pointed the finger at the boy who accidentally pulled the trigger. They praised God for Johanna's life, and they believed and celebrated wholeheartedly that it was her time to be with Jesus. Many people throughout the community were brought to the Lord through her funeral and through his testimony because he ran a business in that community over the next course of years. And James, my brother, whose son was discovered to have leukemia, was really difficult for me because I was in Papua New Guinea. And I just wanted to come back here and give my brother a hug. But my mom shared how it seemed like it just straightened the life out of him. And I wanted to be there but I could. And I had him write a short testimony, which I want to read you guys this morning. Well it's not super short, but This is my brother writing. Our third son, Joshua, had faced many risks before. He was born via an emergency C-section at 3 pounds, 11 ounces, full term. He faced 11 days in neonatal care. His heart valve closed slowly, had light therapy for his liver, and was sent home on sodium doses for his kidneys. Tensions were high because our second son, Aaron, also small, at full-term birth, had been called home to be at the Lord at his birth. Joshua thrived and grew, not quite as much as the average. Our next son came, and he was a whopper. Other son and two girls had us full with the busyness of life. Joshua became everybody's little buddy. He loved to bring a glass of water to anyone thirsty who had spent hours watching and playing with younger siblings so Mom could get needed breaks. He would crawl under sinks and car dashes to help me, because he fit so well and was good with his hands. In 2010, my brother speaking, I finished my master's degree. One of the reasons I was pursuing this master's degree was to gain a better ability to market my skills, as I was not happy with my employer and I was actively seeking to be employed elsewhere. Then, God gave us a test. At the age of 11, Joshua caught a family illness but was slow getting better. He fell during one of his trips to the restaurant. Began talking funny. I asked him his name. He did not know. I knew instantly there was a problem. We grabbed a couple things, carried Joshua out to the car and drove to the emergency room. In less than an hour, he was in an ambulance from our local hospital to Helen DeVos Children's Hospital in Grand Rapids with a platelet transfusion in process. It was bleeding on the brain caused by cancer. Acute lymphoblastic leukemia of the worst order with complications of kidney damage as well. And we had just been just in time. He was on feeding tubes morphine at the edge of death for a week or more. It was hard seeing a son, so much a companion and friend, listless and helpless. Slowly, the treatment began working, beating down the cancer in his blood and marrow and spinal fluid. That was three years ago. It was very trying. The hardest part was having to give chemotherapy shots and hook up IVs at home while my wife, Becky, did, want not to, did not want to be near me because I was poisoning our son. As Josh's primary caregiver, I've spent many weeks in the hospital with Joshua over the last. Recently, in July, for a simple stomach bug, that sent Downfill Hill so fast, the emergency nurses were rushing around, getting IVs into him, declaring that he was tanking. I could go on and on as to the difficulties of the long roller coaster treatment associated with this type of cancer. However, I believe I have given some picture of the level of testing God gave our family. It would seem hard to find joy and happiness in God's blessing and love and provision at such a time. My attitude towards the workplace has gone 180 degrees. They gave me all of the time off I needed, and I could just do my best to work remotely to help them. Fortunately, God made the automotive industry go slower that first year, and with his help, I was able to keep up completely with my work. I began to love my workplace again. About five months in, two beautiful, healthy twin boys. Of course, we knew a baby would be born, but not two. I will explain. <laughs> we have a deep faith. in If you were counting, you would see that this made eight kids living. We do not know about your faith, but we not only believe children to be blessings, but we know that God gives the grace, strength, and resources to care for them. This faith and trust in God gives us peace with home births, knowing full well that he could take a child or a mother whenever he chooses. We had already faced this with our second son, Aaron, as well as some miscarriages. We knew that what people would say to us would make the strain on friendships and trust almost harder than the loss of a son. We had seen God pull us through, and he could do it again. So getting back to the twins, we did not know God had two healthy sons for us. What a blessing... Also, that God did not throw on another test right there. At this point, my mom is at the hospital with Joshua and my brother is (laughs) rushed home because his wife is giving birth to twins and he's saying that thankfully nothing else happened with Joshua during the time of birth of the twins. Some of you who have yet to face a real test of God may say, how can you do it? I only say that just like in the military, your training takes over. Whatever you have poured into your soul, from prayer, God's word, and from good preachers and teachers, by teachers, by God's grace, will blossom when the tests come. And we saw that with Abraham. The process of faith that he has been going through all the way up to this point, his relationship with God and knowing who God was, has all blossomed into this moment of trial in his life to trust God and to make it through and to see that God was there. My brother continues, Our faith held, and yes, there were rewards, not just those in Glory Land. I already mentioned our twin boys, but also our eldest son Jeremiah, as well as Joshua, as a direct result of this experience, confessed their belief in our Savior and followed in obedience by baptism. I'm loving my workplace, and our company is flourishing We were to purchase a larger home. They were living in a wide trailer with their eight kids in the midst of when all this happened. A nice, beautiful home that God allowed them. Uh, Joshua is finishing maintenance chemotherapy in February and will very likely be completely cured. There's going to be some residual damage that will affect him probably the rest of his life, um, but the cancer will be gone. He says, in his service, James Roos. I'm going to get back to my notes here. When the world faces difficulties like this, they don't have anything to hold on to, guys. Just look at the example of Robin Williams. The guy had everything, millions of dollars, one of the most successful actors ever. and he committed suicide because when the world got too tough for him, he had nothing to hold on to. We have a solid rock who never fails us. So how do we respond come First of all, know that God sees. And cares about what you're going through. Just like with Abraham, he was right there. And he is right there for us. He was there for Thomas Indy Skipper when he couldn't save his son's life. He was there to carry them through that. He emailed me the other day and he said, pray for me, John. This is the hardest time of year for me because this Labor Day weekend's when their son had passed away. But he's a man who continues on faithfully serving the Lord. With joy and passion. He's one of the most spirit filled. Jesus. Um, Secondly, believe that God is good. Um, The church we're attending most every Sunday, the pastor would say, God is good. The congregation would say, All the time. And all the time, God is good. Scriptures say He is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. We need to believe that God is good. Abraham believed that he would come back with his son. However God wanted to accomplish it, he believed it would happen. We also need to know that God has provided a way through. God has provided a way through it. 1 Corinthians 10, 3, 13 says this, That is not common to that is God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It doesn't say get out of it, it says endure it. But God has provided a way through it. Fourth, know that God is growing us. Be thankful that God is growing. You know, the Scripture says that because God loves us like a father loves a son, He disciplines us so that we may grow. And it says in First in James one, verses two through four: Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Most of us find it real joyful to face a trial, do we? No. But there is joy in looking back and knowing what God did in your life, isn't there? Knowing how He grew you. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God is molding and shaping us into his image. And when we are molded into his image, we will lack nothing. God will be the one that we can lean on and cling to during the trials. And the last thing that I just wanted to hit on that I think is a really important part of this passage is just a reminder, God is the one that provided the substitute sacrifice for Isaac. He also provided the substitute sacrifice for us because all of us were deserving of death, were we not, because of our sins. He Himself bore our sins in His body on a tree. God took our sins and put them on His Son, Jesus Christ. And He followed through in offering up His beloved Son, as the Scriptures say, just like Abraham called His own son Isaac, God called His Son, Jesus Christ, His beloved Son. And he offered him up as a sacrifice for our sins. And we need to praise God and thank him for that. Because without that, we would have no hope at all. Especially when going through. Let's pray. God, Heavenly Father, this has been a a heavy message. It's not the most joyful, celebrating type of message. But Lord, I want to praise you for dying for our sins. I want to thank you for the fact that you are faithful, the fact that in the difficult times, I can know that you are there right beside me, even when I can't see you, just as you were there for Abraham, just as you were there for many of the people I've mentioned. I want to praise you, Lord, that when we look back, we can see the amazing things that you have done when we or other people we know have gone through difficulty and the goodness you have brought out of it, Lord, and we want to proclaim today that you are good and we love you, God. And I thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you. Is there a, I didn't look, is there a deacon of the day that wants to do the prayer and praise? Come on up. I'll let you do that while I go get some (laughs) Kleenex.